version of the daily walk i'm your host wayne clevenger and today we are in acts 16 through 18 i hope you had a great sabbath yesterday you know i'm still reveling and watching my littles worship we had our kids in with us and just watching our toddlers worship with us was amazing i still have etched in my mind watching little Jonathan worship. He worshiped right along with our worship leaders, and it was so good. And I just loved watching our littles, Jonathan and Gabe and Davina, just be free. And it's like, what if we all worshiped the way our toddlers feel free to worship? You know, and it was just amazing to be there because to me it opened up the presence because I always think how Jesus said, unless we become like one of these, we'll not see the kingdom of heaven. So it's good. I And I'm that's a good way for me to start my day, you know, is just be in that presence. So I hope you can just think about that, you know, they worship with all they have. They have that innocence and that trust. And it was just a good morning to be in the presence of the Lord, led by the youngest in the Lord, because we know the Lord's protecting them. And it's a good way to start this, because here's, in today's reading, uh, Paul is going to go on his next mission trip and he finds a youngster that he wants to take with him. The young disciple's name is Timothy. His mother is a Jewish believer. His father is, is Greek. And he wants to believe, he wants to take him with him as an understudy, so to speak. And the boy has a really good reputation. He's well thought of by all the believers in his community. So Paul wants to take him along and help him uh, get stronger in the faith. You know, if we look back at Samuel, you know, Samuel's story is one of those where mom wishes for him, prays for him, asks the Lord for him, and then dedicates him to the Lord. So perhaps Timothy is one of those stories. So Timothy goes along with him on these mission trips, so we believe, and they uh, teach a lot, and it says that they went from town to town, and the believers were following the instructions of the apostles, and the churches were strengthened in their faith and grew larger every day. So that's good teaching. And I remember in the early days of the Becoming Love Ministries, my friend Dan Bohai would go, and he would have his uh, his 
intercessor with him and he would have a young understudy with him who is a dear friend of mine and now his understudy has his own church and he does his own ministry they're still a part of becoming love ministries but they you know they do a little more on their own because they have been out doing what they do and grown in the word it's not like dan said here let me teach you but it's just being exposed to it a lot that helps them and then the pastor i served under has his own mentor that he works with that helps him and he's grown immensely and he's serving in a church himself over in iowa so this is this is good stuff so we just got to find that one person that will disciple us no matter where we're at in life and help us to be stronger in what we're believing because that helps all the people we come across and it will strengthen the churches in their faith and help them grow larger. So they set off, Paul and Silas set off for Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit Here's what I highlighted. The Holy Spirit prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. So while they wanted to go to Asia in the flesh, they wanted to go here. Holy Spirit saying, no, I need you to go here. So they go there under the direction of the Holy Spirit. So we got to, we got to, when the Holy Spirit gives us guidance, it's in our best interest to follow that. There's a lot of reasons for that. He could be, Holy Spirit could be protecting us from something. The Holy Spirit could know there's people there that need us. And, you know, like in my case, you know, I was all ready to, to uh, end my career in coaching because I had a really great season last year, but then, Holy Spirit opened up all these doors and sent me into another realm where the bar is relatively low for me. So I'm just waiting to see what he wants me to do. And as I'm there, he, Holy Spirit just says, this is the one. And I'm like, oh, okay. And so while I might have a team of 20 people, there's this one and this one, he's shown me a couple of people in particular. These are what you're here for. Make your impact. Let me work through you to help them. So while I have no idea, our season hasn't started. We just practiced so far. I have no idea, you know, what the Lord's going to do. But I believe if I can speak Jesus, which is what I was talking about yesterday at church, that the Holy Spirit will be able to do many works and wonders because that's how he's always worked through me in this. So these guys go out and they go to where the Holy Spirit takes them and they teach and do things. And they were getting ready to go to the, they were at the borders of Mysia, heading north to the province of Bithynia, but the Holy Spirit stops them there too. And instead, they head off through Mysia to the seaport of Traus. Because that night, Paul gets a vision. 
And in that vision, a man from Macedonia in northern Greece is standing there pleading with him, come over and help us. Come over to Macedonia and help us. So that, he figures, is the Holy Spirit speaking to him, and they head off to Macedonia. Well, they boarded a boat. They had to, at Trous, and they head across. They end up in uh, to, to the island of uh, Samothrace and land at Neapolis, which is in the district of Macedonia, and it's a small Roman colony. Uh, they reach Philippi, and they stay there several days, and they're looking for a place to pray, right? And they go out past a river bank, and they see people praying there. And it's a group of ladies, and that's where they meet Lydia from Thyatira. And she's a vendor of expensive purple cloth, and they introduce her to Jesus. And they give her the good news, and she accepts Jesus there on the riverbank. I love this story because this shows us that we can accept Jesus anywhere and everywhere. And, you know, usually they go to the synagogue, but there weren't enough God-fearing men in the city for there to be a meeting place in the synagogue because you had to have so many to be to open it. And aren't you glad we don't have to have that anymore? Because I remember, you know, during COVID, I, I met with like one individual in my church office and shared Jesus with them, and they accepted Jesus. I met with one individual in the sanctuary, and they accepted Jesus. But along this line... There was some people when we were doing a New Start church, and this guy calls me and said, you know, he's been reading his Bible, and he accepted Jesus in a parking lot. One of my daughters accepts Jesus at our couch, on our sofa, kneeling at our sofa, when it finally hits her that she really needs him first in her life. So we can accept Jesus anywhere. And so she's excited, Lydia's excited for this new found king of kings in her life. So she she asks Paul and Silas to come to her house and be her guests for a while. And she even tells them, if you really believe that I've accepted what you've said and that, that I'm a member of the family of God, then you you come stay there. And so they agreed finally and went. But then here's what happens. They're going to this place to pray, right? And there's a slave girl who is has a spirit in her that gives her the ability to tell the future. Well, that, that's not of God, so that's an evil spirit. And as they're walking, she keeps saying, these men are servants of the Most High God, and they've come to tell you how to be saved. Every day that she would say that, all right? But because she has this spirit that makes her able to tell futures, her owners, remember she's a slave girl, are using her to make money. 
Well, because she's basically following Paul and Silas and taunting them every day, Paul finally gets a little bit, what the Bible says, exasperated with it. And he turns around and he says to the demon inside her, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And instantly it left her. So you think that's a great thing. This woman has been freed of something that's been in her for a long time. And it's all good, right? And in her mind, she's probably is feeling great. She's been saved, basically. She's been delivered from this. She's no longer going to have to be used. She Yes, she's still owned, but she has the greatness of God in her now. And so what happens is the owner gets torqued off because now she can't tell futures. He can't make money off of her. Isn't that something how people use people like that? You know, and we could say the same, I guess, but this is different. This is a a relentless owner using a young female. It's almost like pimping her, you know, only for different things. And who knows what else, right? And so since his wealth was now shattered, they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them to the authorities at the marketplace and started telling lies about them and telling them how they're going against Caesar and they're talking about this new king uh, that's coming and all this stuff. And they have Paul and Silas stripped and beaten with wooden rods and then they put him in prison. Now this is, you know, this is a great story. <laughs> so these guys are in prison. They've been beaten by a mob that was fed a bunch of lies about them. And they're now they're in prison. They're in shackles. They're in the inner dungeon with their feet clamped in stocks, their arms are in shackles, and the inner dungeons, the deep part, dark, nasty, dungy dungeon, right? So it's not very cheerful. Around midnight, here's what you hear. You hear Paul and Silas praying and singing to God. And so this is weird to the other prisoners, so they're all listening. And in the midst of them praying and singing, so like they're not even weighed by this whole uh, calamity that's hit them. They're still praising God, they're singing to God, they're praying to God, because they know the one they serve is going to take care of them, right? And because they have such confidence in the Lord Jesus, all of a sudden there's this massive earthquake and the prison is shaken to its foundations. And I love how it's foundations, plural, because if they're in the inner dungeon, that means the foundations are deep, 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 deep. So it has to shake to all of its foundations. And because of that, the doors completely 
to the prison open immediately and the chains of every prisoner fall off. Well, because of all the ruckus, you got to think of how all that makes noise. The jailer wakes up, sees every door open, sees the prisoners are uh, chains are hanging down, and he thinks they've all escaped. So he's gonna just kill himself because he knows if he if he is found that they all got out, they're gonna kill him anyway. And so Paul shouts, Paul yells at him, "Hey, don't, don't, don't!" Nobody's escaped. We're all here. So the jailer turns all the lights on. And to his surprise, he sees Paul and Silas and all the prisoners still there in their cells. They're just open and unchained, right? So he falls down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he he just asks them because he's hearing them pray and sing, right? They probably prayed and singed him to sleep, actually. And he says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? So Paul gives him the gospel story. And this man gets saved right there in the jail. Yet again, another place. You don't have to be in a church to be saved, right? And then at that hour of the night, the, the jailer cares for all their wounds and dresses them. And then he takes them to the house, to the jailer's house. Ooh, I don't know if that's legal. But he takes them to the house and he feeds them all a meal and he has them tell his family. And he tells the family this gospel message of Jesus Christ. And the jailer's whole family gets saved. Isn't that just so cool? But here's the thing. They don't escape. They go back to the jail with the jailer. They stay in their place. And the next morning, the city officials go to the jailer where everything looks like it's all in order, and they tell the jailer to let the men go. So he goes and tells Paul and Silas, after all the stuff that's happened, he's saved, his family's saved, he's fed them, he's helped, he's cleaned up their wounds. He says, hey, the city officials have said you and Silas are free to leave. You can go in peace. And then Paul's like, whoa, wait a minute. They beat us, put us in prison without even giving us a trial, and now they just want to release us when we're Roman citizens? He says, I don't think so. So that got back to the city officials, and then they were, like, like embarrassed. So they came, they themselves came to the jail and apologized to Paul and Silas and begged Paul and Silas, please leave, please leave, please leave, because they're embarrassed, man. They went, you know, they did something really wrong in the line of how we take care of things. They stepped way out of order, right? So really that's all Paul and Silas wanted was an apology. So they left the prison and returned to the home of Lydia, which is, you know, where they had been staying. And so they go to the home of Lydia, and all the believers that were hanging out with them were encouraged, and then they left the town. So then this second mission trip keeps going. So they go to Thessalonica, 
and they meet a guy there that puts him up for a while and he because he's there Jason this man named Jason you know hides him gets him out just in time and then Jason gets persecuted for a while and so uh they get him and his body of believers get persecuted and they make them post bomb but they get uh Paul and S uh, Silas out of town Paul and Silas go to Berea and people there were a little more open-minded so they accept Jesus and uh, many believe there and then they go to Athens okay and I'm shortening this because we've got a lot of reading there and the people in Athens you know were wanting to know so Jesus or Paul goes through the whole thing in Athens. He preaches about the history of Jesus Christ. And he tries cuz they, you know, they're thinking, you know, think Athens, there's a lot of Greco-Roman gods there. And he he tries to get them to get away from those gods to the one real God. And when he gets to the resurrection of dead, like when Jesus rises from the dead, um, that really kind of got them going. So a lot of them wanted to hear more about it. And so some came to hear more, and some really didn't. And so some of those, there's are listed there that came to hear more where Dionysus, and who was a member of the council, which is good, he's making headway with leaders, right? And then a woman named Damaris. And you can, we say Damaris, some say Damaris. And they were part of that too. So then Paul goes to Corinth and he meets Priscilla and Aquila. And they're good people and he works with them over there and what's really interesting about this is Paul has a vision at night and he hears the Lord speak to him don't be afraid speak out and don't be silent for I am with you and no one will attack and harm you for many people in this city belong to me so he needed to hear that because Corinth is is like a wicked city and Jesus wanted them wanted him there because they needed to hear the gospel music there's a lot a lot a lot a lot a lot of sin going on there and so of course when you are making headway in the kingdom you always get resistance so obviously the people that don't want to follow Jesus put up a revolt and they take him to Gallio and so Paul is like standing on what Jesus told him in his vision, right? Because he's like, oh, no, here I am. I'm going to get something. I'm before Gallio. But Jesus said, no harm will come to me. And so they're putting all these charges against him before Gallio. And it's like Gallio cut him off, wouldn't even let him finish. And he's like, I'm not hearing this. This isn't anything to do with crime committed. 
This has nothing to do with wrongdoing. This is all a bunch about your words versus his words. So I refuse to judge this. And he throws the whole thing out of the court. Wouldn't that be nice if more people would say, hey, I'm not here to settle your argument. <laughs> Figure it out. The court isn't for that. But yet, you know, today we have more stuff that goes to court just because it's a simple argument that we have to have the court settle. And Gallio says no. So the vision that Paul has becomes sight right there. And his hope is in the faith that he has, knowing full well that the Lord is going to protect him. So he stayed in Corinth, Corinth for quite a bit. And then strengthens them and then says goodbye to them and went to Sancria. And he shaves his head there, which means he's finished a vow, which would indicate that he's nearing the end of this second mission trip, right? So he makes a few stops along the way, goes through Ephesus, which they wanted him to stay longer, but he declined. And then he went through Caesarea, Jerusalem, and back to Antioch. And he's just trying to strengthen all the believers there, right? But then we're introduced to Apollos, who was a person who's instructing the people in Ephesus. And he was an eloquent speaker, and he's teaching people the way of the Lord. But he, And he did it with an enthusiastic spirit, but he only taught John's baptism, and he wasn't really speaking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So Priscilla and Aquila helped him understand, that, hey, look, there is a second means of grace. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit, too, and we need that. Getting saved is just the first step. We can be sanctified and filled with the Holy Spirit, too. So he grasped that, and because he was an eloquent speaker, he was able to lead a lot of people to Jesus, and he's a major part of John's, or not John, Paul's uh ministry work and we will hear more about that later on in Paul's ministry so Paul's doing a great work he's been on two mission trips and he's making some real headway planting churches in all these places and even doing so because his work isn't done the Lord is watching over him so here's my message for us today. When If God is wanting you to do something and you hear the Holy Spirit leaning you that way, first be obedient to it, but then know, just like he told Paul, that I am with you. No harm will come to you. I'll take care of you. That's, that's how Jesus does it because if he's calling you to do something, and you're obedient to it, you're virtually indestructible in the process be until you complete what he is calling you to do. Because how great is our God? He really needs us to help him get the message out because we get it. We see him. We know what it is. And those that don't see him need to see him through us. So let's start our week off hearing him and speaking him to those we know he's put in our path to make a difference with. Have a great week. We'll see you 
Not tomorrow. Tomorrow's a rest day. So catch up if you need to. But otherwise, have a great day. And we'll catch you again on Wednesday. Have a great day. Word of God speak. Would you pour down like rain? Washing